to my handwriting on themselves and I get very self-conscious about that. Uh, usually what they'll oh, do is they'll, they'll bring a piece of paper and they'll say, write something and I'll tattoo it. And I'll go, you realize I'm not an artist and my handwriting's really bad. And they go, it's okay, don't worry about it. Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making this crazy biz and how they're almost almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest is an accomplished actor and voiceover artist who you may have seen in the movie Licorice Pizza and heard in Pokemon, The Seven Deadly Sins, Halo Infinite, and so many more. It's none other than the amazing Ray Chase. Thank you very much. Uh, it is I, the amazing Ray Chase. Oh, uh, sounds like a magician. I love it. Yes, exactly. Um, well, I guess like we haven't hung out or seen each other in a while, and I was just kind of doing little research, perusing that IMDb. Man, you've been busy. You got yes. a lot of stuff going on. I'm so proud of you, buddy. Like, thank you. When did all the VO stuff kind of start blowing up and start kind of happening? I suppose this was a couple of years after college. Uh, let's see. So you were a, a year ahead of me. You were 2008, right? Right. That's 2009. Um, and uh, I, I got into bartending, got into tutoring SATs, doing all the day job stuff. And I got into doing uh, uh, voiceover stuff, but it was through these like pay-to-play sites. You make 100 bucks uh, for like a Russian iPhone app sort of thing. And then I did that for a couple of years, and I got into audiobooks, and I did about 200 in this three-year period. Audible just wanted to have the most audiobooks. They didn't care about quality, and I said, I can do them all. And uh, I didn't have a studio or anything to record in. I lied, uh, and I recorded in my, uh, my car because it has, like, sound. Your car will normally have, like, sound dampening stuff in it. Uh, and I would record from midnight to 6 a.m. out in the mountains where there was no uh, planes going overhead, there was no noise, um, and that was how I got my start doing that kind of stuff. I uh, did that for three years and then started finally doing fun voiceover stuff, uh, video games, anime, animation, commercials, things like that. Um, and that took, I guess I'm 34 right now, so... That was like around 26, 27, so uh, eight, eight years or so doing that. Um, and, uh, and I did a lot, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of things. Um, JRPGs was a huge one for me. I was the main character in uh, Final Fantasy XV. Uh, a lot of Square Enix games, um, and uh, that's kind of how I got a fan following and uh, got me into doing more and more anime stuff, which is... Uh, think what I'm, I'm mostly known for at this point fantastic now if i were to look listen back to some of those books would i hear you just kind of like oh, what's this word <laughs> <laughs> my very first one i didn't understand the directions uh you are i thought that you just recorded your entire take um and so my first take my first book was exactly that uh where i would go and i oh fuck i fucked that one up Oh, shit, I farted all over the microphone. Uh, <laughs> leave that all in. Uh, and I didn't understand that. And they marked every single one of those things as a mistake that needed correcting. And uh, I was like, okay. And I spent an entire night correcting my thousand mistakes uh, uh, in, in, uh, in Pro Tools. It was horrible. I guess a good lesson to learn very early. 
because then you got to just be like, oh, okay, let's just, if I make a mistake, I'll just re-record it. I'll just <laughs> re-record do it, it this time. And, you know, get rid of that. Uh, now, as someone who's done, you know, audiobooks, anime, and TV shows, and video games, is there one that you've started to be like, I like this one the most? Uh, I hate them all equally. Uh, they're all terrible. Uh, the only thing I like is being in the movies, baby. That's what I want to uh, hear. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I uh, they're all totally different. Um, there's things like uh, uh, commercials are amazing because they're only like a couple of minutes of your time, but they pay for your kid's college degree. Uh, and then there's things like um, video games, which I legitimately like playing uh, and like being a part of. And um, you can be a, a part of the creative process on those and on animation that you aren't so much in anime. Uh, anime is really fun because uh, I watch it and I usually watch in Japanese first so I know what's coming up and so you can really prepare whereas in video games and animation you can't really prepare all that much so they're all totally different in their own in their own separate ways uh, very very fun stuff uh, now over the years as you've kind of gained more and more prestige and steam in this world and even just you know acting in general have you given yourself a definition of success for me, it's it's funny. I guess the, that thing sort of changes as uh, as time goes on because, uh, and I have to catch myself because there's sometimes that you uh, you know I'm at a place right now where I can complain about things that five years ago I'd be like, oh my god, that'd be incredible. I couldn't even believe like say getting an audition, like like for me not booking something uh, that's super high profile. I would have been thrilled to even get that audition five years ago uh and so sometimes i have to temper and and remind myself uh just how far i've come in such a short amount of time as far as success here's how it's changed in the past couple of years um it used to be i want to be working all the time i want to be making a lot of money and uh now we uh we moved out to the mountains we're out in this uh, mountain cabin about a couple hours outside of la uh very cheap very easy living, very, we live healthily, eat a lot of vegetables, go to sleep at seven. Uh, and now my definition of success is just making enough money to cover that lifestyle. Uh, not going, not working myself so much and, uh, and shooting for higher and higher things because what I have right now is fantastic. That's so, so nice. Right now, success is, is health and is mental health, really. Yeah. Well, it's like you were saying that so much of the importance is being able to reflect on how far you've come. Did you take Hacker's class? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's the best. I mean, my uh, we we uh, you know went to USC, took a film class by a guy named Joseph Hacker, who's a um, uh, an acting. He's an actor himself, uh, but really, I mean, he's a, he's just a, one of the best coaches that there is, um, and he uh, one of his big stories, which uh, I'll never forget, was. Um, he went out for Indiana Jones back in the day, and he got second to Harrison Ford. Uh, obviously missed out on a huge thing, but it ended up being that he got to do a, uh, a $700,000 commercial the next month because they couldn't get Harrison Ford to do it, but they needed a guy who had that sort of sensibility and capability. And now suddenly this idea of an Indiana Jones archetype was out there in the world, and he was just as good and 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 ready for it um and so there are opportunities that can come out because uh 
because you're in the ring, even though you're not 100% getting getting all the uh, the recognition every single time. Totally, it's uh, it's sort of like you shouldn't begrudge really anyone's success, and certainly people that are similar to you, because that just means the world is kind of opening up to your type to like exactly wanting to see more of that. Well, I love that you're in the mountains and just become kind of a mountain man. It's- crazy uh we uh for covid it was a weird thing it was not a plan march 2020 we got married uh well we had planned a wedding for march 2020 and then we bought we randomly bought this little 900 square foot cabin uh on top of a mountain uh and uh because it was we've never been able to afford a place in los angeles um and so we're like well at least we can afford this and we like mountains and we like being outside um and then COVID happened and our wedding was canceled and, uh, or we just did it in our backyard with just, uh, Julia's parents. And, um, and then our house, uh, took a little while, but because of, uh, because of COVID, we were able to do all of our voiceover sessions remote. So we didn't have to be in Los Angeles. It took us a good six months to figure out, okay, this is going to be the thing for a while. Um, but, uh, not having to rent in Los Angeles means saving an enormous amount of money. So it was not a plan at all, but, uh, it was, uh, it ended up working out for the best. Yeah. And I would say, thankfully, given, you know, the line of work, it can be done remotely. It's often done remotely. Like sometimes you have to go into, of course, the studio for certain projects, but all in all, you're probably very used to being in your home in a little makeshift studio, whatever you have to record and this going, I could probably just do this year round. Exactly. Uh, it is hard because one of the reasons why we got into this business was to have fun and meet people and be around creative people. And when you're not around them, it's not as much fun. Um, but the, uh, but the chance that the fact that our industry was not affected much, uh, by, uh, by the pandemic was very, very fortunate. That is nice. Do you have aspirations or dreams? Where is your head at when it comes to being rich and famous? Um, uh, yes, please. Okay, I'll, I'll check both. you. Okay, I'll put you down on the list. <laughs> you, rich. You're number 2,600,000. Uh, like, we'll get to you when we get to you. Rich, but that was the thing is my, my definition of rich has changed so much because of our living circumstances. Um, the fact that we can't eat out uh, you can't do the the DoorDash because there's not much out here, and they won't. They for sure won't deliver. <laughs> you know, we do. We eat lots of beans and uh, vegetables, uh, and it's fantastic. Uh, and we just don't need money. We just need enough to cover our little mortgage, and that's basically uh, it. Um, so, as far as rich, I'm already rich. I can uh, I can go without work for uh, quite a long time without being affected much uh, just because I'm, I'm able to that when I do go to work, I make LA rates and then I don't live in Los Angeles. It's really, it really was a, a hacking of the system. Uh, and then fa- as far as fame, uh, it is really interesting uh, because I am, uh, I'm quite famous to anyone under the age of 25 because of all of the anime work that I do. Um, it is a very you, uh, me and and, and uh, some of my friends uh, uh, who are also anime people. Uh, when we are in certain places, certain situations, you get that tingling down your spine, like okay, 
they know who we are. This is a uh, younger generation situation. Uh, they're highly aware of us uh, and our work. Uh, I do a ton of these fan conventions where we uh, go to a, a convention center somewhere around the world um, and sign autographs all day, every day for three days. And um, I think that's the really cool kind of fame because it's something you can turn off when you don't want it. Sean Penn, he's got everywhere he goes, everybody knows who he is, except for maybe anime fans don't know who he is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the fact that I can pass unnoticed uh, as long as everyone around me is uh, over 30 uh, is pretty nice. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, a, that's kind of, a, in a way, an ideal situation because you're famous for what you've done to the niche group of people that love what you've done. It's not just yes. like everybody knows you or thinks they know you because you're in that one thing. You know, aside from those, you know, a couple occasions, like you said, when you're walking around, you're like, oh, I think a couple people here are recognizing us. But when you go to a convention, you obviously know people are going to know you. Like you're going to the place where you will be known. And then when you leave that place, you get to decide like, yeah. why don't like, if I decide not to do a convention, I can, I can avoid the situation. It was a really interesting uh, point that you just, it was a totally throwaway point, uh, but very wise. The, the fact that they know you for what you want to be known or for what your, for your work. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I think that there is a, a level of fame, uh, like there's, uh, you know, if you're meme famous uh, is one thing, or if you are a celebrity who is famous but not for what they want to be known for, or they're famous for, say they're a really good actor, they're known for a couple of catchphrases that they have, and then they have a whole body of work of 30 films that um, have won tons of film festival awards, but nobody knows that work. Um, and those are all different types of fame that are really, you are very famous in some way, but not for what you want to be known for. And you're right, what I do have is the type of fame, they know me and they know my work. You have to, mm -hmm. uh, because you are watching this stuff. You are interacting with these video games. Uh, it's a really good point. Yeah, and you enjoy the work and that probably helps fuel it. I mean, I love it. I love that you've just kind of blown up in the, in the animation and anime world and the video game world. Because there is this element with uh, like voiceover artists and I have a few friends in varying degrees. You're of course on the like, upper echelon working a ton and doing stuff but partly with the kind of the fame and whatnot it is a little bit of an easier escape because it's not your face like you can mm -hmm. you know i'm sure i'm sure in a lot of the works it's like oh that's clearly if you know ray that's ray's voice and other times where it's just like oh that's you like you are able to mimic and switch up the sound of your voice so like have you ever had a moment where you're like i don't want to deal with this and just be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not that guy. Or are you always <laughs> like, yes, it's me? No, because no, because people are always positive. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. Have, sometimes they come up to your table at a convention and they're unintentionally uh, insulting. Uh, like they'll say something like, uh, oh, you were, you did so, you did, um, you did try your best and. Uh, but there was no way you could be better than the Japanese, um, things like that. Uh, but we more just laugh at that because it's just very funny. Yeah. Um, uh, especially if they're paying for your autograph. You're like, why are you insulting me? Very funny. Yeah. Oh, and then as far as being an actor, um, uh, on camera is uh, it's so dependent on what you look like. You have to play what you what you look like. And um, uh, I could never play uh, characters as handsome and attractive as my anime stop I'm, I'm looking around my room they're all around look at this man 
Look at this dude. He's very handsome. Okay, come on. Let's uh, see this guy. Could not. Holy no, crap, no. Ray! You could never. He's so handsome. He's gorgeous. He's so handsome. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, the uh, those guys. Uh, uh, I could never play, uh, but I, I I get the chance to. Um, they're all in such good shape. Is the other thing. Oh. Everybody's ripped in anime. Of course. Uh, and I don't have to be. It's fantastic. Very nice. What would you say is your, like. I guess not hook, but what is the thing maybe vocally or your skill set that you feel like lends very well to animation and anime and video games? The things that the thing that I'm very very good at is bringing emotional vulnerability to um, characters unexpectedly. Um, I'm famous for this for Final Fantasy 15. Uh, I played the main character. He's a guy who sounds like this. Uh, you know, really cool dude. Um, Super anime, super uh, edgelord kind of guy. Um, and uh, uh, part of this is the, the story of the game is very dark. And uh, he gets very vulnerable at the end and loses a lot. Um, and uh, that's the writing. But also myself, I brought a lot of that USC acting prowess to um, a type of role that somebody uh, normally would, would just give as an afterthought and be like, okay, this is whatever. It's some anime thing. I'm not going to put that much of my acting ability into it, uh, either because they don't have it or because they just don't care as much mm -hmm. or that the director doesn't want that. Uh, and I've been, uh, able to have all three where the director was cool with it, the story allowed it, and then I had the ability to do it. Um, and I've done that, uh, quite a number of times with a lot of my, um, uh, JRPG characters, um, and uh, I think that really sets me apart and gets people interested in my work. Uh, and then the other thing is that I have a lot of range, and so I play lots of very unusually uh, different uh, roles, which uh, gives people that other kind of chameleon thing, like, what, Ray's also that? Um, and I think those those are the two things in the voiceover world that really set me apart. That's fantastic, because, yeah, as far as I've, the little bit I've, I've understood and done or seen from other people it's not uncommon to be cast in a game and then be like can you do these like five additional one line like guard three to be like hey get out of there exactly. and so like you do kind of need to work on that muscle to the consistency of a character but then also that those little variations that you figure out to be like oh okay this is what they want and i love that you uh know that the ability to bring the vulnerability unexpectedly to these characters because like you said anime and a lot of these video games you read for the characters you play are the kind of brooding cool like like nothing phases them and what a what a gift to the player what a gift to the game itself to have someone who can you know in a way make them human where it's like yes. you don't want the character exactly. to go through this hardship and be like i'll stop at nothing and then and you did bring up another thing which uh, i think got me to the reason why I have so many roles and why I get cast a lot is because I can play the hero kind of guy uh, and do those five extra characters um, at the same time. And doing those, being able to be a utility person, uh, get a script and, and come up with five characters immediately uh, is such an important muscle for a voice acting career for longevity. And I think that's gotten me you get you show one studio that you can do that. They'll keep hiring you. You show the next studio, and then they all keep start keep hiring you mm -hmm. uh, until you live in the mountains and you don't want to work anymore. <laughs> the dream, Re yeah. retire at thirty four. <laughs> yep. Do you have times in your life where you feel like you've quote unquote made it, or you've hit a milestone for yourself? And what what does that look like, or where where's um, that headed? 
I guess for me, that was just being able to quit uh, my bartending job um, when I was able to support myself wholly on voice acting. Uh, that really was, to me, making it. Uh, and all the rest has been just fantastic, even if I didn't get all these cool parts um, or have a... Because uh, there's plenty of people who have a career in voiceover but are not um, popular to fans because they just don't do things that are very popular uh, through no fault of their own. Uh, I just happened to get lucky with that. And if I was just one of those kind of voice actors who was just going to work and making money, I, that to me is is absolutely making it in this industry. It's so hard to get in in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now, was it tough when you had to eventually not go to the bartender conventions? <laughs> <laughs> By bartender, I got into it. I did mixology. I did. I learned from the best and I studied my ass off and I practiced and we did like the real legit stuff. And uh, Julie and I were talking about it. And we we're like, man, I do kind of miss that. I miss the, um, I miss being able to make something to have a customer, find out what they want, make something for them, serve it to them, get the instant gratification, and then move on to the next. Uh, it's something that we don't have much in this day and age, uh, especially with everything virtual, but it is fun to make things with your hands. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do miss that aspect of it. Well, you can always just pick up a drinking habit. Uh, I actually lost this the thing. I, we stopped drinking. Once we got up to the mountains, we were like, ah, we don't see people anymore. It's not social. It's just like, okay, whatever. So we stopped drinking. So uh, I would love to make drinks for people and uh, watch them drink. <laughs> Good. Fantastic. You know, we met in college. We did improv together. And Ray is hilarious. A very, very funny human being. Now, in your work, it seems like you've been kind of Maybe I'm incorrect, but it feels like a lot of gravitating towards what would be considered a bit more dramatic. Do you do you want to be branching more into comedy or do you feel like you bring comedy to these roles? I do. I actually do tons of comedy. OK, uh, so my bad. Not, yeah, that is not lacking. Yeah, um, uh, for sure. The, the ones that are um, that I'm known for a lot are going to be. The hero type is never the funny one, uh, but there's plenty of things that I've done where I've been the, the funny one and I've had a, an absolute blast. I think that also comes with the, the versatility stuff is that you get to be the comic relief a lot too mm -hmm. uh, or play these little bit parts and be very, uh, very silly with them. Um, so, uh, so no, actually, I get to be funny a lot. My bad. I was about to say, like, yeah, there's no way this man, you can keep this man from the comedy. It's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> yes. to come from, it's going to come to him. Yeah, I'm sure by now you've you've developed good relationships with directors and casting and everything like that, where I'm sure they're like, oh, man, like, even if if not getting the part you went out for, they probably are like, but still give him this part because we need someone funny. We need someone who can yeah. do that, which is, yeah, I feel like just this added layer of icing to the cake of talent where you just get to go, God, thank God I'm funny. <laughs> like, I find yeah. so many moments where like, I'm like, going out for something that might not be a comedic role, I'm like, it's just a benefit. Like, even if I don't bring any comedy to it, just that they can know if a part needs to get a little funnier, you can do it. It's hard to get someone who can't do comedy to suddenly be a little funnier. It's like, yeah, oh, it's rough. Uh, and you can be funny in between takes as well. Uh, being, uh, making, doing funny takes, doing funny stuff also helps with the tedium of it. They can sometimes get really dry. Right, because you're probably there often with an engineer recording, getting every bit. And it could be for hours. It could be long stretches where you're doing those voiceover yeah. takes. If you aren't able to fill the in-betweens, 
Exactly. Yeah. And I have been I've directed sessions where it's somebody who's just completely charmless and the four hours takes four days. It's really hard. Yeah, because you just want somebody who can, you know, do their job, of course, first and foremost. And I understand that there might be lines or moments where you are taking your pauses in silence because you're like, I actually I need to hone in on this. But there's probably a lot of times where you just go, you're like, okay, we got that one. You just go, God, that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? (laughs) Like, just like acknowledge (laughs) the reality of like some of the stuff you have to say. Or like, I feel like there's also that element with voiceover that is so fun, but is almost forgotten where it's like, a lot of it can also just be like, okay, we need like three different grunts from this guy. (laughs) So you're like, (laughs) (laughs) just being like, I've never made these sounds. Like I've never grunted in this way, but just having like, I agree. Like there is the skill of like not only being able to do comedy, but if you're a comedic person, I think you're quicker or can be quicker if you're a nice person too, to like connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts or desires to do any plays, get back on stage, improv, sketch, any of that stuff? Man, I, uh, there's nothing more fun than a live audience uh, and feeding off of their energy. And, uh, and I do very much miss that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and doing improv's great. Podcasts are a great way of, of doing the improv thing. Um, uh, but again, not without that live audience, yeah. uh, it's, so, uh, it's just so, so much more sterile. And even, especially with something like voiceover, animation, things like that, it's almost like a polar opposite where it's like, you have your lines to say, you say them. And sometimes you might not even know what it's going to look like. Like you, you got no say, 100%. and you're just like, I hope this. That is fits. one of the. That is one of the good things of, uh, uh, of the conventions is being able to. You do your work, and then a couple of years go by, and then you meet the fans, and then they and they've already interacted with your your stuff so much, uh, and you get to see their reaction to what you did, uh, and it means so much. Yeah, that's amazing. That's very cool. But yeah, the live audience thing, I agree. There's something electric about it. Yeah, and I feel like that was always a skill you definitely had when we were doing improv of like a pretty good audience gauge. Not listener person. Yeah, not to the idea of like, I'm going to come with a character and immediately change if you don't like it. Like you kind of like acted well, but you were able to like mold and shift so people wouldn't would be like, no, I like this person. Like it was like, you. it was good. One of the things that taught me the most uh, was uh, when we did the Improvathon. For those of you who don't know, the Improvathon is uh, we did 24 hours of straight improv, uh, which is impossibly stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so, but it was so much fun. Uh, those, the, the hours between 1 a.m. and 7 a.m. Uh, where you're just absolutely delirious and somehow we still had an audience every single time. Um, but you're just coming up with you're out of games at this point. You played all the games, yeah. and you're just it's a it's perfect communion with this audience who's sticking with it with you as you're delirious. You just have to listen to them. You are there with them, going through it. They're with it, going uh, they're with you, going through it with you. Uh, and that was I feel like that taught me so much about audience interaction. Th- those twenty four hour increments were, right. were incredible. How do you deal with the kind of the the highs and lows of like working a lot, not working a lot. Have hobbies, I suppose. I've I've enjoyed not working a lot uh, lately. It has been unbelievably busy. It was like six years of just insane craziness, and this year I'm I'm excited to not do as much work. Uh, and 
and do other things. Uh, one of the things uh, I've been working on is my handwriting, learning, learning how to write well, something I've never learned before. Why handwriting? I love it. I, Why handwriting? Yeah. Well, Are you getting honestly, like, is it calligraphy? The... Is it like script? Are you no, just trying to like I'm get? Literally just trying to write better uh, because people pay for my autograph and uh, people would post their the stuff online and mine would look fucking horrible. And I would go, oh man, I have to, I have to make this look better. And if they're, if they're buying this thing and putting it on their wall. Oh, I've had people tattoo my handwriting on themselves and I get very self-conscious about that. Uh, usually what they'll do is they'll, they'll bring a piece of paper and they'll say, write something and I'll tattoo it. And I'll go, you realize I'm not an artist and my handwriting's really bad. And they go, it's okay, don't worry about it. And I'll painstakingly write a quote or something and try to make it look good. Uh, but uh, something I've been very self-conscious about over the past couple of years. And so I'm like, I'm going to fix this sort of thing. Interesting. Um, and uh, learning, uh, learning cursive, learning um, just making it look nice. So, so yeah. do you want like, a legible nice signature like a clean signature my or signature are you just kind is, of like you want a cool signature no, like what's the my sig my signature was one of the first things uh because i didn't have one and i realized i was gonna have to start signing stuff and so i worked on it, it took about three hours and i came up with a cool signature my signature is great, great on point looks great it's the to andrea walk tall my friend uh that kind of thing uh, where it's just, just writing letters and it looks, it looked, it looked like garbage. Now it looks a little bit better and maybe next year it'll look really, really nice. That's what I'm hoping for. I love that. That's such a, well, it's not just like, Oh, I want my handwriting to be nicer. You, you clearly see that it comes <laughs> up a lot and you want yeah. the fans <laughs> and people to be like, they don't want to go home and be like to aardvark. <laughs> like <laughs> they want to be able to read what, you know, this person wrote that's it's going to be on their yeah it's going to be on their wall or, uh, and so i, I am very or permanently on their skin apparently or on their freaking skin tattoo yeah, that's uh, intense i it'd be so hard not to write do not tattoo this <laughs> be like that is fantastic here you go this is just some solid advice i think when you get your handwriting really are you left-handed right-handed i'm right -handed. right handed i think what you should do is like start to like write something and be like oops I'm right-handed and then it's like real <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Completely fake them out. That's fantastic. <laughs> With all the voiceover work and acting work, do you have a like either mantra or kind of way you you get ready to audition or like what is your process when you're given the script, given the audition? Are you just kind of like, great, I'll do it or do you like take you hours and you really do a lot of prep work like how it's, what's your process um it's uh, it's funny i used to think that uh when i first started out i was like i don't want to audition too hard i don't want to um work too hard on something because uh then i'll get rid of all the spontaneity and things uh and then i took a voiceover workshop class with a guy named chris borders he directed the mass effect series uh very good director and he uh, had us all play soldiers, and it was just lines like grenade, fire, run, that kind of stuff. Very basic lines, um, and uh, I did mine, and it sounded great. It was fine. And then uh, my buddy Max Middleman, who's uh, also a famous voice actor, uh, one of my best friends, um, he was in the class too. He did the same thing that I did, uh, and, uh, and then afterwards Chris said, okay, everyone did great, uh, but I would have cast Max out of everybody. Thank you, goodbye. Uh, and I was like, what? what? What did Max do? What did he, what was he, why is he different? 
I took a look at his script, and after, for every one of these generic boring lines, he wrote a line that came before, a line that came after, some sort of intention, something to vary it up, something to make each of these lines specific and in a world of their own. Uh, and I, someone who's a professional casting director will absolutely hear that. Uh, you don't have to tell them that, they'll just know. And that night, I was like, okay, I have to work really hard on my auditions. Uh, I have to really put some specificity into it. Uh, and, uh, and that night, I happened to get Project Black, which ended up being Final Fantasy XV. Uh, and I worked on that for about three hours uh, and booked the lead role. And Max, that night, uh, was tired and didn't audition uh, and <laughs> didn't get to be a part of the, of the, uh, the game, which is hilarious. Uh, but it gave me the... Um, the, the, the toolkit to be like, okay, if this is an audition I want, there's no way that you're going to work too hard on these things. Um, the more that you work on something, uh, the spontaneity is never as cool as you think it is, uh, when you play it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, like you might think, oh man, this sounds so cool and alive. Um, but the, the casting director doesn't know that all they're listening for is specificity. Um, and usually spontaneity is not as important as being super, super specific in your choices. I love that. And I'm sure you're very happy when you uh, slipped to max those sleeping pills. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My competition was toast. Yeah. Talk about grenades. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a good lesson for anyone listening to take away in anything in life is the idea that like, Work put into something, even if you don't book that job, is not work wasted because then it can just help you stack and improve on the next thing. Exactly. And now speaking of the next thing, it's time to bring out the insult comic, Raz Clifford. Ray, this is a, this is a <laughs> guy who comes out. He likes to just take the guests down a peg before they get too big. Oh, no. Am I getting razzed? You're getting razzed. All right, everyone. Here comes <laughs> Raz Clifford. Raz, come on out. Okay. Who do we got today? Yikes. Hey, Chase. I haven't heard this voice of yours in so long. It's just my name. voice, you idiot. <laughs> I, I'm not used to seeing your face, and now I remember why. Ugh, rough stuff. <laughs> Ray, ladies and gentlemen, is the man responsible for why I don't watch animated shows anymore. I don't want to see him, and I certainly don't want to hear him. Blech. To give you a picture for the listeners, he looks like when a hot mess becomes hot garbage. <laughs> now, Ray, let me... You've, you've done a lot of fan conventions, right? Is that true? Well, that's correct, Raz. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm glad that you've uh, done your research. Uh, shut up. It's only because you do a bunch of bunch of nerd stuff. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this might be a stretch, and because I'm hoping to start a convention myself, and I would love it uh -huh. for you to join for the first and hopefully last stab Raycon. <laughs> wow. Uh, so come on, everybody <laughs> listening, come on down with your knives. You know what to do. Just don't have him sign anything. He's working on it. <laughs> oh, sorry. And I just had to work you over with this sweet, sweet Raz, you dumb kid. Look, if you ever see me or forever doing some voiceover work, thank God we'll be in separate booths because I will, I will attack you. <laughs> I will take you down. <laughs> All right. It was, uh, I can't say it was good to see you, but I'm glad to know you're in the mountains away from society like some 
I don't know, Unabomber esque man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Raz. Bye, Raz. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Uh, he got me. He cut me to the quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stab Raycon uh, sounds uh, like not my cup. Not my cup of tea. Yeah, we'll maybe get some other Ray to fill in for I like you. That, yeah. <laughs> one, one. Somebody, you know, can't be Ray Romano because everybody loves him. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find somebody. Actually spit out my coffee. (laughs) Oh, yeah, great. (laughs) If not acting in voiceover, what is what is an era you would be of interest that you do? Of course, you are doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. So take care of dogs. That'd be really fun. That's it. Maybe mixology. I'll go back into mixology. That'd be really fun. Maybe cocktails for dogs. Cocktails for dogs. That's what I've been saying. Uh, you know, out here we have uh, in a little town. We have one little pub. It's only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, that would be fun. Just uh, just do that. Something where it's uh, it's uh, you got your regulars uh, and uh, you get to be outside a lot. That sounds great. That's lovely. Inevitably, when you are a guest on a late night talk show, what would be a story you'd want to tell? Jesus, I'm so bad at that. And it's always the thing that kills voice actors um, uh, during doing panels is like, uh, tell us a cool story about sometime in the booth. And there's no fucking cool stories. Nothing cool happens. It's all just like you're in a windowless room. You're hanging out. You're doing the work. Uh, but it's not like you're on set. And it's like, oh, man, uh, I was on set and I uh, parachuted into craft services. Lol, lol, lol. It's uh, nothing happens. Uh, we are extremely boring people. Instead of it being just like, okay, about acting or voiceover, with The Late Night Show, it's like, is there a fun story from just your life, like childhood or anything like that, where you can just share? Because your whole life hasn't been just in a, in a booth, in a windowless booth, has You'd it? You'd be surprised. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I do a lot of not uh, interesting things, or I'll do a lot of boring stuff. I don't know. I do, I do lots of long walks uh, where I'll take a city. I'll be in a city and I'll walk across the whole city. Um, and uh, those are some of the most memorable and amazing experiences, but they're not in, there's not a story there usually. Or just, just make up a story. Yeah, <laughs> just, there's that too. Just, just truly just pen and write a story where you're just like, yeah, I was at the booth. And then it was very strange because it got like taken over by this international ring of terrorists and i had yeah, to fight them all it. it was crazy and of course they wanted me to say something into the mic and i said only if you pay me and then i punched <laughs> one of the guy's heads right off <laughs> i did such a good impression of his mom's voice that he went home he thought she was calling for him <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> i love it x-men Oh my gosh, yes. What are we doing? We've just wasted so much time, listeners. We're so sorry. <laughs> uh, Ray's got a big thing coming up. He is going to be a voice in the X-Men animated series that is a continuation of the X-Men animated share- series from the 90s that I grew up loving to watch, Saturday morning cartoons. I don't know how much you can say or give away. It is just an honor to get to know someone who's going to be associated with that but here's the thing it's like i i did not grow up with it at all i didn't Mm. know who these characters were uh i knew nothing about it um i got called i I got i did the first audition thought nothing of it spent almost no time on it uh there's these specific voice match auditions they're looking for uh to capture exactly what the 90s one the cartoon sound like um and uh i knew nothing about it and then i got called back 
and then I took it more seriously and I started watching the cartoon and I watched all five seasons and I was like, this is so good, so ahead of its time, so well put together. Uh, and I worked really hard on that callback and then I ended up booking the part. And then I went to chess club out here in our small town uh, and the chess club is owned by, uh, the, or is run by the guy who owns the, the local bookstore. When the local bookstore and here's uh, the book previously on X-Men, the animated series. Uh, why is this in our local bookstore? Because it's written by Eric LeWald, who lives in our small town, the creator of X-Men, the animated series. Uh, unbelievable, crazy kismet. Uh, and he's working on the show now with us. And I was like, this is, this is insane. I'm so excited and so honored to be a part of something with such an incredible history uh, and that is so, so high quality. So fun. Well, Ray, I can't wait for that to come out for everyone, for there to be a whole new, you're going to get into now the 30s to 45 range fans <laughs> yes, who are that's true. coming back because of that show. <laughs> Very excited for you. Ray, thank you so much for, for hopping on the podcast. Um, it was just such a delight to see you and you know, everyone, thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous. <laughs>